Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and his church than when you tuned in. How you doing today? My name is Richie. Super glad to be here with you and believe that God's got a reason for us to be together today. I love Jesus so much. Passionate about him, passionate about his leadership, passionate about his kingdom. Really believe that he wants to meet every single one of you right where you are today. I lead a church called Real Life and we love our city. We love people. We love to be on mission with God together. And so just, uh, just I, I look forward to these moments together. Just get so excited about what God might do. I hope you have some expectancy in your heart as you tune in. And uh, I hope that God even lays people on your heart that need to hear this as well, that you might share this with. I think God really is gonna use this time together today. Uh, as a church, as a team, we've been walking through the book of Luke together, and we're gonna pick up at the end of Luke chapter nine. So if you've got your Bible, a Bible app, need to Google it on your phone, whatever that looks like, get to the end of Luke nine. Luke is a gospel writer from a couple thousand years ago where he wrote uh, a compilation of eyewitness accounts into a narrative to help us understand Jesus' life, ministry, and teaching particularly powerful is this section today because I think you and I have just been destabilized over and over and over again. Like our lives just continue to be upended. And I don't know if you're like me, I just kind of start to get annoyed by it after a while, like waiting for something to go back to normal, to change or to be better or to be stable again. It feels like an endless wait. And so God, would you give us another way instead of just waiting here for life to go back to normal? Would you give us a way to navigate this life? God is pretty pointed. James chapter one is one of, one of my favorite passages. Um, the writer James uh, says to people, all right, if you need wisdom, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God. He's generous. Our generous God is going to give you this wisdom. He's not gonna hold back from you. He's not gonna rebuke you for asking him for wisdom. God loves to give wisdom. But James says, when you ask, make sure that you, you, you don't doubt that your faith is in God alone. Because when you're asking him, you don't wanna be in this spot of wavering. A person that's wavering has this divided loyalty, James says. He's unsettled like a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed about by the wind. You get that imagery. I get seasick just thinking about it, right? Uh, he says, such people should not expect to receive anything from God. This might be like an epiphany for some of you. Well, I've been asking a lot, but I haven't received anything. He's saying these are the kind of people that aren't gonna receive anything from God if your loyalty is divided between God and the world. They're unstable in everything they do. I think about this tension like, hey, we live in a very unstable world, Richie. How can we be stable when everything is so unstable? James is going, you need to ask God for some wisdom. He loves to give it generously. But if you ask with this doubt in your heart, like God really is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, you're, you're divided. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That kind of divided heart creates this instability, this shakable sense about your life. I really think God wants to give you a different way. He wants to give all of us a way that's stable, that's secure, that's firm, that's full of hope, that's full of peace. 
See, when Jesus came to earth, he came on a rescue mission to set captives free from a very unstable life, a second guessing life, a life without purpose, a life without hope, a life that is controlled by sin. See, this was Jesus' mission, was to set people free from a nature inside them that constantly destabilizes them, that, that keeps them from their purpose, the thing that God made them for, to, to rescue us from this brokenness. And so, so he came proclaiming a kingdom, establishing his kingdom. The Bible says it's an unshakable kingdom. You think about this, like Jesus comes to earth, rescuing mankind from sin and fear and condemnation and, and bringing this hope of a kingdom that's unshakable. It's just like, oh, we could have that. Like even though circumstances are as crazy as they are, we could have that unshakable sense about our lives. God, I want that. God, we need that. Show us how to have that. See, in this Luke 9 passage, I think Jesus gives us insight into how to navigate this tension. Here's the tension I, I feel just when I say this. Yeah, yeah I, I like the idea of that, Richie, to have an unshakable life. Sounds good. But our world is a train wreck right now, right? Like, how, how do you reconcile that? Well, one of the things that I think about our team as we were prepping this message, it was just real clear, like Jesus came on this rescue mission. He didn't come saying, hey, can I come be a part of your life? Can I come be a part of your crazy, broken, shaken life that you've been building for yourself? No, no, no. He came on a mission to rescue us out of darkness, out of the shaken, unstable life that we've been living and, and give us opportunity to walk into a new kingdom, his kingdom, an unshakable kingdom. So, so I think a lot of times, maybe if you're thinking about Jesus getting added on to your life and trying to bolt him on, to this crazy thing that you're living, uh, you might be missing uh, kind of the picture that God wanted to give us. He's actually beckoning you and I out of this crazy, unstable world into an unshakable kingdom, a kingdom of, of God that, that he's declaring and proclaiming and inviting us into. And in that world and in that kingdom, you and I can find hope, hope security, purpose, peace, satisfaction, all the things that this very shaken world cannot give you. So how do we live as a part of God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, this unshakable kingdom, and still exist in this very chaotic world? Luke chapter nine, Jesus gives us a model. The world he lived in was probably even more destabilized than our world is. It was, a, it was a world of, of broken, um, crazy, uh, oppressive leadership that, that, that his people was under. It was a world where there was constant racial tension and division. It, it was a world where religion was, was a massive manipulation tool in people's lives. There was so much pressure in the world that Jesus entered into. He didn't enter into this utopia. It was massively messed up. And yet he still had this ability to focus on his mission, on his purpose, on, on the kingdom of God, inviting people into it. In this Luke 9 narrative here, we, we see a massive transition where Jesus has been doing this public ministry. And now he, the Bible says, sets his face to Jerusalem. It's like, you ever seen somebody that's focused, like maybe an athlete or somebody that just knows what they're about, what they're about to do, what their life is? Jesus had that look, that stern, like filtered, focused look about his face where, where he's like, all right, 
I'm here on a mission. I'm gonna rescue people from sin. I've gotta go give my life. I've gotta be beaten and crucified, hung on a cross, buried in a grave, resurrected from the dead. I got work to do, let's go. And that focus gave Jesus just this amazing ability to navigate both these worlds. I want you to look at this passage with me. This is Luke 9, verse 51 is where we pick up. Luke writes that when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, up to heaven, uh, he set his face, there's that focus, to go to Jerusalem. That's where he would die. That's where he would be crucified. He set his face to go there. And he sent some messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans. This was some of the racial tension was the Jews and the Samaritans at that time. And, and, and you see Jesus walking, going through this town, send some guys ahead. Hey, let's, let's stay there for the night. But, but, but the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem, a moment of rejection. When I think about like how easy it is for us to get shaken, rejection is one of the greatest things that shakes our worlds. When people don't like us anymore, or maybe they disagree with us, or, or, or maybe they don't like our, uh, our choices that we're making. One of the most destabilizing things that we battle is fear and anxiety over what people think about us. Yet Jesus is not just, don't think of him as a teacher through this passage. Think of him as a model. Like his mindset is a model. My face is set. I'm heading to Jerusalem. If people are gonna reject me or rebuke me or not like me or walk away from me, I'm fine. I've got a mission. I've got a purpose. I'm on my way to where I'm supposed to go. There's this sense of confidence of like, hey, I've been, I'm a part of this unshakable kingdom. Even though the world around me is shaken and people are rejecting me and don't like me and maybe say things about me or accuse me of stuff, like there's this sense of like, like focus that's not gonna deter him. Even though, like some of you, this is like your worst fear that somebody would reject you. And this is the very thing that has actually kept your world so unstable because you're so worried about everybody's thoughts and words towards you. And, and so you're, you're just living this life that's so unstable trying to please everybody. Now, do we need to be nice? Yeah, absolutely. Like a kind heart, a generous heart, a loving heart, but a heart that's worried about everybody's thoughts about you is a very unstable heart. And here's Jesus modeling what it's like to have a focus on a mission that gives you this clarity, even though people might reject you. I love this contrast. James and John, Jesus' disciples, when they saw these people rejecting Jesus, this is their teacher, this is their Lord, this is the one that they're selling out for. Do you ever, I don't know, you, you, you kind of feel offended for people sometimes. That's where James and John were in this moment. And they said, hey, Lord, uh, you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Like you want us to like, like us and God, the father in heaven, we're tight. Like we could just like burn this place to the ground right now. You in like, like these people rejecting Jesus, what? Burn them all. Like, let's go. Like this, this feels like modern, like current day social media right here, doesn't it? Like they don't agree with us, burn them to the ground cancel them, get rid of them, right? Like there's this sense of like, whoa, James, John, chill out for a second here, right? Just because like people don't like you, agree with you, does that mean we just burn them to the ground? And Jesus just nicely rebukes these guys. He turns, rebukes them. And look at what Jesus does, verse 56. They moved on. They went on to another village. One of the most 
free things some of us need to figure out is how to just move on. When you're focused, when you have a mission, when you have a purpose, you can move on. When people reject you, when things don't go your way, you have the resilience to keep moving. Jesus just kept going. Even though things, circumstances, people weren't going according to maybe his plan or what people would think would be the right way, uh, he creates this amazing contrast where, where maybe in our, our, our kind of our sinful nature, we wanna just call down fire from heaven. Uh, like, man, I could get on such a rabbit trail right here, but just thinking about like James and John in that spot, I go like, what were they thinking? Do they really think like God in heaven would listen to them and like, and, and bring fire from heaven to consume this Samaritan village? Like maybe this is just kind of a behind the scenes moment that Luke just lets us in on like the inner workings of these crazy guys. I get a little hope though. Like these were Jesus' closest guys. I am gonna go down this rabbit trail just because I think it's so important, right? Like, like you and I, maybe you get like this mystical picture of what religious guys are like, like they're perfect and they've got their life all together. Here's a couple of Jesus' closest friends offering to burn a village to the ground because they didn't like Jesus. Like if that can give you hope about the kind of people Jesus can use, I hope it gives you some hope. Like the thought that God could use these guys, these brothers that are ready to burn these Samaritans to the ground, like that gives me so much encouragement knowing, oh, okay, okay. If God can use these guys, he, he rebukes them and then keeps going, man, I, I get filled with courage and passion and hope that God can use you and I as messed up as we are. Look at this next verse with me. As they were continuing to go along, Along the road, someone said to Jesus, I'm gonna follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but me, the son of man, I've got nowhere to lay my head. Are you sure? You just hear this tone of his, of his life here. Are you sure? And to another, he says, come on, follow me. I wanna show you my kingdom. It's a new kingdom. It's an unshakable kingdom. It's a, it's a rescue mission that we're on. Come on. But he says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Feels kind of heartless, Jesus, but he's focused. But as for you, go proclaim, preach the kingdom of God. I've got a mission for you. Will you live it? Verse 61, yet another said, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you, Lord, but let, let me first say goodbye, farewell to those at my home. And Jesus says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, again, I want you to think about this passage and think about Jesus' life as a model for who we are to be. It's not just about Jesus' teaching, it's also about his mindset and his life. Like he, he lived with this purpose, with this focus, with this filter on everything, every decision. See, one of the amazing things about being a part of Jesus' kingdom is it was the moment that you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, put our hope in him, we're rescued out of this kingdom of darkness where our lives are, are controlled by our sinful nature and, and, and every decision is made with sin at the forefront of our minds. The moment that we say yes to Jesus, the, the curse of sin, the bond of sin is broken in our hearts and now we're learning to live this free life. This is what moves us from shaking and, and very shakable people to an unshaken kingdom where now we're, we're a part of a new kingdom that's unshakable with a hope and a purpose and a filter and a focus to our lives that, that, that cannot be stopped. It's an eternal kingdom that, that God wants to invite us into. No temporary, worldly, chaotic thing can mess up this eternal thing. 
And see, this is what Jesus models in this passage is how to not only be a part of this unshakable kingdom, but operate within this crazy messed up world that we're living in. How does he do it? We see just kind of his, his cadence here throughout this passage. Again, there's not this explicit teaching of Jesus, do this, then do that, then do this. It's, it's really this model of how he thinks, how he's leading his life through this time that I want you to see. First thing that, that really stands out to me is this sense that Jesus is asking everybody to count the cost. Are you sure you really wanna follow me? Like I, you've got other things going on in your life. You've got, you know, fathers that have died and, and you wanna go bury them or you wanna go say goodbye to people. You want, you've got these other agendas and these other priorities. Are you sure you wanna follow me? And, and part of us being secure and stable in the kingdom of God is first counting the cost. This is gonna cost me something in this world, in this life. Even the rejection Jesus experienced is a cost. People don't like me. That costs us something. For, for many of us, that's the biggest cost that we haven't quite counted yet, that people might not always agree with you, that you might have to make decisions that are different than the way everybody else is making decisions. Are you sure you want to follow me? I could hear Jesus asking, like, I've got, a, I've got a purpose, I've got security, I've got freedom and joy and purpose for you, but are you sure? Like, are you ready to give up whatever I ask you to give up? Popularity. Are you ready to give up finances? Are you ready to give up security? Are you ready to give up all the things that you think you have in this world to come be a part of my kingdom? Are you ready? count the cost. One of the most difficult things I think that, that comes for me emotionally when I'm trying to lead myself through these difficult seasons and try to stay stable is like, how much, how much further is this? This is kind of the question, right? Like how much is this gonna actually cost me? I was, I was training years ago for marathons and running marathons and half marathons. And I remember this one marathon in particular, I asked my wife about it. It was like the worst anniversary we could have ever had. It was our seven year anniversary. And, and um, I, was on this, I was on this marathon and I remember thinking, okay, marathon's 26 miles, right? So the halfway point is gonna be 13. We'll turn around and we'll come back. It was an out and back course. And I remember just being like so frustrated on this marathon because I got to mile 13 and like there was no turnaround in sight. Pretty, sure, pretty soon I'm mile 14, mile 15, mile 16, and we still hadn't turned around to head back. I'm like, this better not be more than 26 miles. There's no way that I can make it more than 26 miles. And my mental spot, my emotional spot just started to crumble because I had this predetermined outcome in my mind. Oh yeah, we'll get to mile 13 and we'll turn around. Well, I had totally forgot that we did this like little loop before so we can finish at a, at a closer spot in the town. I assumed that we were finishing at the same spot we started. Wrong assumption. And so the turnaround just kept getting further and further and further away. At mile 19, I was a train wreck because I had already set this up in my mind. Jesus is going, hey, if you're going to like endure this marathon, this life that I've called you to live, if you're going to be unshakable, you've got to count the cost. You got to understand kind of how this race is going to go. It's going to take rejection. It's going to take giving up stuff. It's going to require something of you. Are you sure? I think that this is an important piece that many of us have, have grown disillusioned and frustrated and very shaken because things are costing us something if we wanna be a part of Jesus' kingdom. And, and it's almost this feeling like, oh, I didn't sign up for things to be difficult. I didn't sign up for this. That's why Jesus is going, hey, are you sure you wanna follow me? You gotta count this cost. The other thing that I see in Jesus' heart and his mindset is this sense that we are at war. There is a battle going on that is raging for the souls of mankind. 
There's an enemy of our souls that is trying to keep us trapped and enslaved to our sinful nature. The enemy, the devil. And he's working overtime on those, especially those that would declare the kingdom of God, that would say, no, I'm choosing Jesus. The enemy's trying to drag you back away and, and lure you into to the kingdom of darkness again and keep you enslaved there. Even though you, you're not a slave anymore, he's trying to get you to think like a slave still and stay ensnared in, in, in to your sinful nature. And, and, and there's this sense that Jesus has, this focus about his life going, hey, there is a war on for people's souls. Like eternity is hanging in the balance. I've got to set my face to Jerusalem. I've got to rescue these people. I've got to do this mission that God has called me to. And there's this relentlessness about his heart and his focus and his energy. We're at war. See, see, one of the greatest kind of risks that we run is feeling like things are good. Complacency is bred in a place where we forget that we're at war. When I think about in, in my marriage sometimes, like my wife and I, as we're, fighting, having intense fellowship, we call it. <laughs> when, when we're like discussing things passionately, uh, there's so many times where we have to just kind of like call time out and go, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. There's an enemy of our soul that hates our marriage and wants to destroy our marriage. We're not, we, we're on the same team, babe. Like there's an enemy that's trying to divide us. We've got to remember like, like there's a war going on. No, isn't it just like the devil to take public safety and make it something that divides people? Like think about what's been happening politically through this pandemic, racially, all the tensions that we're navigating. Isn't it just like the devil to try to just like rip the church apart with different positions and different opinions about different things? Like, isn't it just like the devil to try to ruin your marriage with a different kind of priority level that you have and your spouse has? This is how he works. He's trying to break down, destroy, divide. And Jesus knows this. And so he stays focused. We're at war. We can't let our guard down. We got to know that there is a mission here that you and I are called to. We can't allow ourselves to get sucked into these places where we get so destabilized. The people at war with that kind of mindset are focused. The last thing that I see that Jesus is, is just embodying in this passage is this sense that the mission is all that matters. People's souls are at stake here. When you and I lose this focus, that we humans are eternal beings. We have a soul inside of us and we're gonna exist eternally, either in heaven or in hell, two real places of eternal existence. One is with God, one is separated from God in torment. When we think of friends and neighbors and family members and people that we care about, it, it, it really bothers us that, that they could spend eternity in, in, in this place of torment. It really like breaks our heart. It fills us with a sense of urgency to go, whoa, whoa, people is all Jesus has ever been about. People are all that matters to Jesus because people are what make his kingdom what it is. It's a, it's a kingdom of relationships, of people. An unshakable kingdom is, is because these people have been rescued out of darkness and brought into light so that we can declare the goodness of God, the love of God, the grace of God. The mission is all that matters for us. I know that, that it feels like so many other things matter. Getting back to normal matters. All these other tensions that we're trying to navigate and figure out, but ultimately people are what matter 
mattered to God. People are what matter to us. People and their eternal state is what keeps us focused during this very shaken time. God, who can you rescue through me? God, how can we be a part of people's lives being changed? God, we're not satisfied just to go through religious motion on, on, on a screen or in a home or whatever it looks like. God, we want to be a part of lives being transformed. Jesus, we want to be a part of your kingdom, bringing light, declaring freedom and hope and security and, and, and peace to people that have been so shaken, so taken captive. God, would you set them free? Would you use us? Would you allow us to be a part of something transformational, like city changing, family changing, hearts being transformed, addictions being broken? Would there be people forever changed, God, because the focus that you're putting in our hearts? God, forgive us for allowing our hearts to get distracted. Forgive us, God, for allowing our lives to become just like everybody else's lives, turned upside down by every new thing that comes out from whoever, whether government or whoever, every new news post that comes out. God, forgive us for always being upended by these things. God, would you give us your filter, your focus? Would you give us this heart that understands, God, you've made us, and you've called us out of darkness into this new kingdom, this kingdom that cannot be shaken, God. Would you give us that filter? Would you give us that focus? See, that's what I think. If there's anything you could take away from this, this today, it's that, that Jesus is a model of how to be a part of the kingdom of God and live in the midst of this crazy world that we live in. He had one filter, one focus. That was it. And I think you and I can live with that same filter, that same focus, the kingdom of God, the people that God wants to rescue, the mission that he's called us to, the war that's really going on. When we live with that filter and that focus, our decisions get made differently. The, the news feeds don't, don't matter as much. The people that we interact with start to matter way more. When you think about the focus of Jesus here going, I gotta go lay my life down. I gotta go rescue people. Man, with that kind of focus, things change and you become so certain, so stable, so full of peace, so full of understanding that there's something bigger than me happening here and I'm a part of it. And I, I am so thankful that I get to be a part of it. See, this is our hope. This is our heart is that you and I would live with this filter, live with this focus, live with this passion in our hearts that we would, yes, our world is crazy right now, but that we would be a people who are unshaken because we're a part of the kingdom of God. We're on a rescue mission together to see lives change for forever. And we are so thankful that God would allow us to be a part of that, that we don't have to live for ourselves and try to make up purpose for ourselves anymore. What a gift that we could live this fulfilling life. A life on mission is the most fulfilling life you could have. The most satisfying, rewarding life you could have is this life with this focus on people's lives being changed. Thank you, God. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of this thing. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be used by you in this crazy mission that you've called us to. Here's my hope today, that every one of us would respond to what God is saying to us. My hope was that Jesus' model here would become a, a, a filter and a focus for your life, that you would understand how to live from this place with this new mindset, this new mentality, and you'd be filled with confidence and courage and peace like you've never known before. I don't think our world is gonna settle down anytime soon. 
So this is a call to be a part of a different kingdom. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, here's my hope is that today you would give your heart to Jesus. He's inviting you to be a part of his kingdom. He wants to rescue you out of darkness, set you free from sin. Here's what it takes is a repentant, humble heart that says, yes, God, I need to be rescued. I can't save myself. I can't fulfill myself. I come to you in humility right now. Man, at that spot, he, he invites you to obey his leadership. That's what it's like to be in relationship with Jesus. He offers you life, you obey what he says. The very first step of obedience is baptism. That's what we practice around here. We love to baptize people. We love to baptize you as God gets a hold of your heart. Some of you have been so distraught and so unfocused and you just feel God just pulling your, your heart and your mind into this crystal clear focus. Jesus, your kingdom is what I wanna be about. Maybe it's just a, a a repentant heart for a moment of God, forgive me for being so complacent and so overwhelmed and so fearful and so anxious trying to make sense of this world. Give me a focus on your world, your kingdom, your priorities, your mission, God. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, you see every person here. I pray, God, that you would meet them right where they are. You would reveal yourself in a new and a powerful way, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just um, make your kingdom our focus. You'd help us to count this cost. If there's anything, God, that we're holding on to that you've asked us to give up, God, we just open our hands to you right now and say, we, it's yours. This life is yours. These, this time is yours. This money is yours. This energy is yours. These emotions are yours. God, this life is yours. It belongs to you. We are on mission with you, Jesus. I pray, God, you fill people with courage, with peace, with hope right now. You'd save souls right now. Those that are repenting and turning to you, Put your spirit in them right now, God, as a deposit guaranteeing them for the day of salvation. God, they are yours. You've called them by name right now. You see them and you are rescuing them. God, give them the courage to get baptized, to obey you, Jesus. I pray that next steps would just flood every chat thing that we've got going on, every prayer request. God, next steps would flood every home that, that's meeting, God, that you would just fill us as a people with courage to become who you're calling us to be. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.